Hello, 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 and welcome to the Pain and Pride Quarterly Slush Pile. We're so glad that you're tuning in to hear us and who's the us. We'll get to in a minute, but what we're about to do is discuss some poems that have been submitted to Pain and Pride Quarterly and um, clue you into what our editorial process is like. Uh, so the we is um, uh, our staunch soldiers who are still here all the time, even during these times, and we're all in our own homes. Nobody's in the studio. I'm in my home on the third floor in a very tight little space. I'm getting a little tired of my bedroom being my office. I'll tell you that. I know everybody has always said you shouldn't do that, but now it is definitely worse. I have dreams of the queer eye people coming and <laughs> changing things. I actually can picture things that they'll say. I, I, I channel them, you know, because I do think there would be a way to reconfigure this. Even if Jason, I know that we all love my closet. Everyone loves my closet. I do love your closet. I know, but I think my office desk should be in the closet. Yeah. No, but it's, there's always there's always time to make change. There's always time to rethink. There's always. I need Bobby. So I I think that's the title of the episode. Kathy needs a queer eye intervention. Maybe they'll get it. <laughs> oh, that'll be amazing. I can't watch the new one. I I tried to watch the new one and I can't do it. You'll especially love this, Marion. Tan would go. Black tank tops, love. Black tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> Time ages ago, but it's probably happened in others. One of the AWPs, Marion and I realized that we had each packed about half a dozen black tank tops. A person. <laughs> <laughs> we have little else. <laughs> That's pretty much what I still have consistently. So I know what they'll say. But anyway, um, so that's me and that's where I am. And where are you, Jason? I am in Brooklyn, where I remain in quarantine, where we have gone from being, at least as of this recording, <laughs> we are no longer the epicenter of the outbreak in the United States, and we're actually doing quite well. Um, but I am at my mother's writing desk. Um, I have her secretary desk. It was the one thing well, there are two things that I really wanted of hers um, after her death. And one was the desk, which I have, and the other was a princess phone that mysteriously disappeared. Aww. But the, but the desk is wonderful, and I am in Brooklyn. Yeah. I love it. Your bookcase is so impressive. It looks like one of the virtual ones. I know people, it's funny because people think it's a background because it's just this wall of books. So yeah. whenever anyone chat, and like, like people in chat will privately say to me, like, is that a background? It's gorgeous. And then I'll reach back and pull a book off the shelf, <laughs> like a special effect. <laughs> That's my, great. It is, in fact, a background, because you guys have seen it. When I'm when you can see my third floor attic space, I look like I'm crazy. <laughs> That's right. The angled ceiling. It looks like I'm Alice in Wonderland or something. Mm -hmm. Melting room. But anyhow, let's bounce the virtual ball. See how time and space doesn't matter. That's one thing we're, you know, we've already known, but boy, is that hitting home. Because there's Marion and Samantha out um, a little bit over 6,000 miles away from us. A little Feeling bit. You're right here in our virtual room, at least. So, hi, Sam. Hi. Um, my name is Samantha Neukerbauer, and I am here in Dubai and also semi-quarantining here, but things are getting a little bit better here too, I think. And that's yeah, 
Excellent. Sam, I miss you already. You're in separate, you're in the two big cities. You're in the Twin Cities. I forgot that you're in Dubai. Right. Yeah. Great. All right. Yeah. Marianne, are you, you're obviously at home. I'm still at home. <laughs> and I, I have arranged my desk area so I'm forever next to this blank wall, like this blank corner wall. So it's totally, totally mysterious. Um, not really. That's just, you know, a blank wall behind me. Um, but yeah, I'm here in Abu Dhabi and I'm so glad to see your faces and I can't wait to talk about these poems. Yeah. 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 I think that we might talk about Sam for a second, though. Uh, there, there might have been a little um, social activity that the Painted Pride Quarterly family needs to announce. Yes, I am engaged. It's <laughs> <laughs> a once in a lifetime thing for me, so it's very good. <laughs> my, my broken muzzle pose is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> what a terrific story you'll always have, you know, of when it happened and all of that, yeah. all of the circumstances around it. Oh, definitely, like in the time of Corona. Right, <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. Oh, great. So wonderful. For just one more minute, in case they ever do listen, because I do listen to Jonathan's podcast and I love it very much. I highly recommend it. Um, but what, what is his podcast? I don't know. Though. It's called Getting Curious or Just Curious. Hang on one second. Um, with Jonathan Van Nem, and he interviews Getting Curious, and it's so he is so Jonathan and brilliant and makes even really terrible topics somehow entertaining. You know, um, it, it, it's, it began, I mean, now it's COVID, right? But it began as just anything he was curious about. Like he interviewed a woman about bugs, you know, it'll be all, it's all different topics. Lately, it's been more about all the things that are happening, you know, but like I'm looking right now, one is why is the census so majorly effing important? Oh yeah. He interviewed somebody from the government about why the census is important. How can Democrats be anti-racist? Are cicadas the only ones having a hot girl summer? <laughs> right? So this is what I mean. Yeah. So anyway, if he's listening, if any of them are listening, okay. thinking that, that Getting curious. Philadelphia, really, Queer Eye has never done an entire family. And I think that it would be fabulous if they did me and my three children. <laughs> I I think I think it's a good idea. Don't you think that's an amazing idea? I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, that Jonathan himself would be able to make fun of the fact that I've had the same hairdo since I was born. And <laughs> I knew you were born with bangs. I knew it. I've always suspected, but I had no one to confirm it with. Super straight hair, and my daughters don't have the bangs, but we all look we have the same hair. Like I could just hear him teasing us about that, right? And Bobby will do the desk thing and and it'll be fabulous. So he'll, Tan, what he'll say to Haley is floral, floral, floral. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's all she wears. Anyway, well, so. All right, so back to Samantha for a moment, right? So I doubt you're gonna need much help, right? In coordinating your global festivities, but in case the Queer Eye team come for kids, Kathleen, We'll yeah. buttonhole them to get them to help too, because the wedding is going to be both in Philadelphia and Taiwan. Is that the plan? 
and in Taiwan, definitely. Well, well if you make that happen, invite the whole family. If you invite the whole family, the queer I do like to come and get you ready for specific events. Okay, all right. I'm going to I'm going to give you the wedding warning. Okay. Okay. You think right now that this is your big day and that everyone's going to put you first and that everyone is going to say whatever you want, Smith. And they'll say that when they call, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, I will. They are lying. <laughs> everyone in your family and your friends will regard this as a referendum on how much you like, value, and care about them and will rank where they are. In the so I'm just warning you because at, at the beginning, you think that they're, they, and they'll say that you're going to be, um, you know, it's your day, whatever you want. We're all here to be subordinate. In truth, they're all kind of like checking, they have like a little board where they're <laughs> like ranking themselves next to the other people. So just, just to warn you, that's, 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 remember that they're all thinking of this as a referendum on how much you like care about them. That's true. That's okay. True. But Samantha, you have such like fortitude, it's going to be fine, right? You and Damon are going to be able to withstand that that Excel spreadsheet of value, not a problem. Well, and, and you're brilliant because you have to do it on Zoom now. You're, you're fine. You go. yeah. You're actually, gonna get like No, uh, this will be over. I'll just like have, make sure the front looks good. <laughs> it's going to be a wedding dress from your boobs up and then like, yeah. <laughs> you can, you can have your hair just done as a, as a zoom background and just like wear a kerchief and kind of get your head into the right place. So that like <laughs> the veil and the, and the hairdo were there. All right. All right. All right, now let's get it together. I'm picturing, I'm picturing Jeff Royce, the poet whose poems we're about to discuss, patiently waiting and thinking to himself, I thought they were going to discuss my poems. I know, and they're talking about <laughs> Jeff Royce, we're so sorry, but we Jeff really Royce, we're so so sorry. Great some good news. We um, haven't seen each other in a while, and we're so yeah. happy for Samantha. Yeah, yeah. So, so excited. Speaking of which, right, so Jeff Royce has given us a handful of poems. And we're going to look at them. Um, I, he's writing in Florida. I believe that's where he is, um, as he'll be listening to us discuss um, this work. And so why don't we kick it off with watching a panther at the Palm Beach Zoo. Somebody want to read it? I'll I can read take it. it. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> Everybody wants to read it. Oh, go. All right, Jeff, it's a good sign. Go ahead. <laughs> the other one's very long. Um, watching a panther at the Palm Beach Zoo. Her chips and caterwauling are the echoes of an empty sanctuary. Actually, stop. sorry, 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 sorry. My, I'm gonna, and Jeff, I apologize already. He sent me an email, there's a typo. It should be chirps, her chirps, right? So and he sent it as a separate document. So I'll make it. Right down the time there, right down yep, the time. I got it, I got it, I got it. All right, so I'll tell Joe. I didn't Joe. Worry about that too. Like, it's chirp, yeah. And, and he caught it as soon as he sent it too. Cater Walling, is that right? Cater Walling? Cater Walling. 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 Okay. Cater Walling. Okay. 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 What, what are, are chips like baby panthers? It's supposed to be chirp. Chirps. Oh, chirps. Okay, thank you. Sorry. Okay. Watching a panther at the Palm Beach Zoo. Her chirps and Cater Walling are the echoes of an empty sanctuary. 
She lowers her stare, pulls back the fat of her mouth, but the growl rumbles in from another pen. Thunderheads build on backs of rosette spoonbills, restless in the next enclosure. Their pink shadows and the stink of flamingo shit are enough to remind me my heart is a muscle. Near the reptile house, wooden manatees drift on an ocean of organs. The music is coming from somewhere else. Nicely read, nicely read. I really love the uh, penultimate stanza there. Their pink shadows and the stink of flamingo shit are enough to remind me my heart is a muscle. It's a muscle, right. Um, I have a little trouble though with near the reptile house when manatees drift on an ocean of organs. The music is coming from somewhere else, right? And so I love um, the idea that that's organ music, but my brain gets caught on a pile of guts, right? Like on a pile of what? Guts, like organs, like oh, like, like have they been fed chum or something, right? <sighs> Which is you know, whoops, sorry, but that's the when I hit organs, I can't tell which direction the word's pointing, whether it's music or. You know what, since they're wooden, I thought they were part of the organ. I thought that there's a big elaborate organ in the zoo with wooden manatees carved in it. Oh. I made it all pretty right away. Look at you. I'm like dark yeah. of, of bilious guts, right? But, and it's funny, I thought wooden was just an adjective for the color of manatees, right? Oh, see, I just thought we we're getting like such a description of the zoo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think my brain went to internal organs as well because of the mention of heart in the previous mm -hmm. paragraph. So uh, I was kind of already in that fly me territory. Yeah, well, then I would get totally stopped like Marion is. Then I'd be like, well, how could there be manatee organs just laying out there near the reptile cage? Were you guys thinking about the Rilke poem? I'm totally thinking about the Rilke poem. The totally, yeah. Thinking, right? I, I couldn't find the the sort of, I mean, it's such a, it's such a um, iconic, well-known, famous poem, both in terms of like, um, for people who don't know, Rilke was Rodin's assistant. And when he had writer's block, um, Rodin told him to go to the zoo. And that was like the big breakthrough for um, Rilke's that he wrote this poem about the panther and just visualizing the panther and seeing the sort of the panther caged and sort of writing this poem about how the caging of the panther kind of becomes the panther. Um, and so, yeah, so with this, I was, cause this panther is sort of, oh, right, displaced over and over again, right? Like, like we kind of start with, she lowers her stare, pulls back the fat of her mouth, like this beautiful image of um, the teeth being bared but then the growl rumbles in from another pen. And then the rest of the poem is about what's not in the cage, right? Like everything is what's, it's all the peripheral and um, ambient noise that's kind of coming in as he looks at the panther. And so I, I, I got a little bit disoriented because I was, I was like the panther's centrality um, 
just slips away after the first like three or four lines. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Sorry. that's the point, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, I think that was intentional, especially if you think of the, the Panther poem, the original one, because now I feel like people are more distracted. Like when people go to the zoo, you're not totally at the zoo anymore. It doesn't have the same power. Hmm. Well, yeah, there's probably an app you download before you go so that you're listening and getting more information. And you know what I mean? Like, all, like always, so that you're still engaged with your phone while you're there. But I, and I think too, like the, the big shift between the Roka poem and this one, right, on that point of distraction is, is this, the speaker is reminded that his heart is a muscle. Am I reading that right? My heart is yeah. a muscle, right? Yeah. This is not the Roka poem. The Roka poem is observing the panther, right? Like, so like, and, and imagining the image working inside the panther's mind, right? So that that's the, so I, it's been a while since I've seen the Rilke, but the, but the, but this poem really is about him, the speaker being reminded of his heart in this context, right? Of, of focused looking and then the sort of like centrifuge of, of images around, around the speaker. But what, what I, did you, how did you understand that when, it, when, when the speaker says my heart is a muscle, like, like, what does that like sort of, I don't, what, what does that resonate against for you? It feels like a clench, right? It feels like you know, thunderheads build on backs of roseate spoonbills restless in the next enclosure. Their pink shadows and the stink of flamingo shit are enough to remind me, right? Like, all, so it feels like a kind of clench of the heart, but I'm not sure why, like other than the sort of wafting stink of flamingo shit, right? Like, is it, there's something, um, I don't know where the, like, I don't know where the ferociousness is other than the thunderheads that have rolled right through sound, right? So the senses are all activated, sound and smell, right? And then the heart is the, the, the thump, right? But for me, it was just a reminder of, of the reality of, of all of us that we, you know, that we live and shit and die and our hearts are muscles and not really where we love people. And, you know, it was a reality check for me. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's all that, that's all it was, but I thought it was that in a great way. You know, to, you know, we're romanticizing the panther, right? And, you know, you're gawking at these animals in this unnatural situation and none of it's real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that even works for me with the, but the growl rambles in from another pen. And what the growl, growl is, is thunderheads, something else coming in, right? It's right. not about the animals at the zoo. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how I read that. But what amenities, I don't know, other than the Interesting ocean of organs. Yeah, I am, um, I have to, what I love about the poem is the shift into the speaker, that it's the speaker's heart, right? That's being witnessed or testified to and not and not overly romanticizing the panther in that regard. It's not imagining what the panther's thought processes necessarily, right? Which is, I think, a little bit closer to what Rilke was up to, right? Um, well, the octave is, is the description. I mean, it's a sonnet. And so the octave is kind of focused on the panther and then the turn towards the self is in the sestet. 
So, all right, Jason Schneiderman, we should have a sound effect for when you're able to identify the sonnet for us. It's like, <laughs> structure, 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 form, form, form. <laughs> sonnet, Will Robinson. Sonnet, Will Robinson. Sonnet, sonnet. Sonnet, Will Robinson. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, so, I mean, I, but I'm, I'm just, I, I, I still sort of have this, I, I don't quite get how the, the sestet resonates against the octave. Like, I, I like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I sort of, like, want that shift to kind of be a little bit more visceral. Um, there's, there's something about, because, I mean, I love that it's the floor, you know, right? I mean, it's, it's the Palm Beach Zoo. And so the, the spoonbills and the flamingos, uh, there's this incredibly tropical kind of image system um, that's kind of artificial as well. But the, the shift to the self kind of, I don't know. I, I feel, I, I, I don't feel like I have enough space to kind of get what's really sort of at stake. Um, so forgive me while I double check something. I believe it's Teju Cole who writes an essay about Rilke's panther. Yes, and it's called On the Blackness of the Panther. And I'm sorry I didn't double check this, but he actually takes Rilke to task, right, for the imagining of the panther, right, and the, and the way that he does, right, the sort of like um, sentience of the panther. And he does this in the context of a review of Black Panther, right? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a, I'll, I'll link to the essay in the show notes, right? And so what I, I think is happening here, right, in the, in the sestet then, right, Mm -hmm. is the dwelling on the self or, or like the reminding me that my heart is a muscle. I think mm -hmm. my, my problem then is with the final three lines because it, it like it, we're floating on that organ. The, I, I, I can't, that image can't, doesn't anchor me, right? It doesn't, it's so yeah. close for me. It doesn't quite like land it but i do love this notion of the music is coming from elsewhere because the way that points back to the thunderheads right coming in from elsewhere from another pen right the rumbling coming from another pen right um but i'm, I'm missing i think i'm missing the point a little bit hmm. do you want do you want to vote and move on or do we want to keep talking about it let's let's vote because we do have okay. a, a handful of yeah yeah we have another couple yeah yeah, yeah, let's look at um, taking a vote there. I'm gonna so. swing in, swing in, swing in fists. Are we oh, swinging yes. fists? Let's We're do flipping it. We're all here. One, okay. three, go. Okay, let's see what Jeff has next, because that one's okay. going in. Um, but we have more, we have more. All right, Jeff. All right, we're we're passing on the Panther poem, right. but we are we are going to read a poem now um, called Angel Trumpets. Um, and do you mind? I want to read it. Is that okay? No, please. Not, all right. So Angel Trumpets. Let me get it on my screen. Um, there we go. Um, and for uh, just a, a little bit of context, just a scooch. I had to actually look it up. Angel trumpets are these beautiful flowers, right? That do look like trumpets for those of you who are, you know, a boneheaded gardener such as myself, right? So angel trumpets. I have this 1960s sitcom desire to frolic on the back lawn 
Our shirts will be fashioned after white sides of ranch style houses. Our hearts will take shapes of plastic Adirondack chairs. The kids can blow bubbles that'll satellite the shed like little acrylic space shuttles. In the linen scented afternoon, the backward stumbling sunlight will brighten angel trumpets, drooping polished shuttlecocks swinging like clean sheets in the here and there breeze. And I'll pick one for you and you'll remark that the day has smelled just like a fresh haircut. Then you'll kiss my cheek with the same precision with which you clip coupons. And the girls, giddy from so much frisbee, will roll their eyes and mock our tenderness and we'll chafe them and they will feign terror and scream like they mean it. And we'll prolong their terror by pretending to just miss them. But eventually we'll tackle them and splash onto the lawn, which has always been just weeds. We'll lie there breathing for a while, the four of us, our heads forming a circle in a way I imagine might have made an excellent cover for a monkey's album before one of us, probably me, will spot the vultures circling, not menacingly, but in a shiftless existential sort of way, drifting on lava lamp currents. And I'll note how they resemble jets, not in shape, but in the way how we feel about them flies out in front of our voices. And then someone, probably you will say, we are, after all, sitting in weeds. And I'll say, what? And the girls will squeal and scramble to the badly cracked patio where they'll pick beggar ticks from one another's backs. And by now it's dusk dark and a fat tarantula moon is crawling up over purplish clouds. Then, shit, what do we do about dinner? And Papa, I still have homework to finish. And God damn it, why are you crying? Stop crying. And you tell me we don't even have an angel trumpet tree and your breath smells like sparklers. And the sparklers in the black air are scrawling something that vanishes before I can get it. I don't get it, I say. And you say, you never get it. And I say, just go to bed. You can do it in the morning. And I put a movie on so we can all sleep. And we eat popcorn and freezer pops for dinner. And I tell the kids, that's life. And they're like, great. Thank you. Yes, well read. Thank you. I dig so much about this poem. Get into much it. Tell us, yeah. Dig. So uh, perhaps I'm just the demographic for this, right? With the 60s sitcom <laughs> and the monkeys reference, right? And describing angel trumpets like drooping sh like shuttlecocks, right? From yeah, I mean, it just it's just, I've been in that backyard and I wanted to marry Mickey Dolenz and my sister was going to marry Davy Jones and we were all going to live this like, you know, 1960s style paradise. But it was always just weeds in the backyard. It's always ever been just weeds, right? Drifting on lava lamp cards. Lava lamps. My God, they're majestic. <laughs> and it's hot. Very, very hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't have my lava lamp anymore. I had one in college. Did you? I did. Yeah, it was it was a retro thing. I mean, you know, we can. Mm -hmm. Well, see, it well it was close to like original old gangster <laughs> lava lamp when I was a kid, right? So. <laughs> 
yeah. So, but aside from the sort of pleasure, right, of, of those sort of pop cultural references, I really just love the sort of like capacious description of this backyard and, and the family sort of romping and then yeah. sort of like coming to a, a, a sense of um, the sort of the shabbiness of it, like mild shabbiness, like the weeds, right, being the, the logic. The cracked patio, the reality sinks back in. Yeah. But so that yeah, the turn is wonderful, and I also like that I know that none of it is real in the beginning either. You know, this is all some vision of of life, not life, and so I I just I really like that part too. Um, you'll kiss my cheek with the same precision with which you clip coupons. Oh, the clipping coupons is so perfect. Oh, great. Yeah. The sort of domestic. Yeah. And the uh, girls giddy from so much Frisbee. Yeah. Like, line after line is just so good here. I could, I could really, um, obviously we see this before um, as we, as we vet them that we haven't gotten to talk to them as a group, talk about them as a group. And reading this again, I, um, it's just like a little mini movie almost. It's a, it's a, it, at least a video. Yeah. Very, very good video. <laughs> and that I would watch again and probably again. And then tell Marion, you got to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, listen, I have to tell you though, like one, one minor beef with this poem is the dialogue at the end, right? Like it, that to me feels a little, um, not not forced, but it's it slides right, like it slides off right into something that I'm not I'm not quite sure about. Like that's life, and they're like great. Like I almost read that like like they're great. Like whatever that what's that cereal commercial? Tony the right? Tiger. Tony the Tiger, which I don't, you know, like that's not. I don't think that's what Jeff is going for here. But this yeah. is because I'm in my universe of those references. Like I'm stuck in that. Okay. Well, I mean, for me, the for me, the the goddamn it, why are you crying? Stop crying! <laughs> it was like sort of terrifying, right? I mean, you sort of have this like sudden moment of just intense cruelty and sort of unintentional, um, responsive, reflexive cruelty, um, mm -hmm. which which seems so consistent with the rest of the image system, but I mean, kind of like just does this kind of like very very um, careful moment of of darkening the mm -hmm. image system of just giving us this like much scarier version of it and um i really liked that i mean that felt really accurate to me uh-huh the, the darkness kind of ex escalates for me yeah. right after all we're sitting in weeds mm -hmm. right and then it gets gets to that you know shit comes first even a tarantula moon purplish clouds that that's a halloween moon right um and, and all of these realities, you know, are crashing. And so for the speaker to say, God damn it, why are you crying? Stop crying. Sounds like that kind of parent, you know, the parent that he's created, that's that era of parent. Yeah. You know? And it just, it does work for me. Uh, I don't get Tony to the tiger at all at the end. Um, I don't know. It does that ending. I can see why it might bother people, but it does not bother me. Um, the repetition before I can get it, I don't get it, you never get it, is 
paralleled earlier with different repetitions and uh, it doesn't bother me at all. Even the fact that we now are speaking kind of makes sense because we've gotten so into, now we're in the real world with popcorn and freezer pops for dinner. I, I love putting on the movie so we can sleep. Like, I mean, the idea that, you know, like our entertainments are not, <laughs> they're just kind of noise that um, sends us off to other places. Like, I mean, I really, I really loved the way it kind of coalesces around the television at the very end with this kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it, you know, like there, there's homework that needs to be done. There's, you know, all these things that are sort of like piling up and instead, you know, there's more distractions so we can just kind of like exactly. delay obligation let's a go little back further. out of reality let's go back yeah. to reality let's put on a movie yeah. and pretend this isn't our life again yeah. i think actually in the last poem marion you had brought up that Tedru cole essay mm-hmm. um and i don't remember it all but i remember there's a part in that where he talks about like knowledge being different before and how it wasn't all like fact-based Mm-hmm. And I actually think this essay also makes me think of this poem too, because like there's a different way that people are talking to here. And I, and I love this in the same way that I love now and then. And I love it in the way that is different than I like now and then when I was younger, before kind of um, everything collapsed about uh, for me anyway, the reality of a lot of these sitcoms and shows. And I love the, um, the idea of angels themselves, like being innocent for the most part. And, and then kind of that idea of that crashing down too. So I think angels and innocence, uh, is doing a lot here, not just like in terms of the plants of the angel trumpet. So can I ask a big dorky question? What did you mean about now and then? Oh, you know that movie now and then? Um, it's a great movie. Um, it is uh, about four women, friendship movie, uh, growing up in this time period and it flips back and forth between them being an adult and then being children. Great soundtrack, really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's in the show notes. It's a a great sleepover movie. (laughs) Now now I feel bad about not having seen it. I'll go go watch it right now. We'll pause. We'll pause the recording. We'll all watch now and then. We'll have a Zoom sleepover sleepover party. Excellent, excellent. But I do love that sign, like, or, or the line, rather. Um, we are, after all, sitting in weeds, right? Like, sure, of course you are. It's dandelions and crabgrass, right? Like, I know that one, right? There's a, a sort of weird um, pleasure of recognition, right? It's not quite nostalgia, right? But there's like a, you know, the way, you know, that sort of like cultural knowledge is passing through these images and these, and these references. Um, and it's and it's got that creepy edge. It's got that darker underbelly. Yeah. Do you wanna? Are we are we good? Do you wanna vote? Because I, I I think we might be. What do you I think? Feel, I feel ready. I feel ready. All right. Ready? Okay. okay. Call. One, two, three. Vote. Woohoo! And it's unanimous. All right. Boys. Woo. Yeah.
angel trumpet. So happy that we'll have that. Yay. Yeah. Nice. That's be one now that we can just reveal and talk about it. Yep. Sometimes when, um, sometimes when something gets accepted elsewhere and we don't know and we read it anyway and then we fall in love with it anyway and then we find out we can't have it i can i'll think about the poem for so long afterwards it'll still haunt and haunt me Th mm -hmm. that one would have haunted me if we didn't get it yeah i'd be sad or, if, or if the vote hadn't been yes obviously right yeah for sure for sure yeah and yeah it's just it's just delightful mm-hmm Really, really great. I have this 1960s sitcom desire to frolic on the back lawn. All right, go, go, Jeff Royce. Okay, so we have a couple more. Um, yeah, we have really only gone like 25, 25 minutes. Right. So I think we've got yeah. time for one more if you if you're game, right? Um, and uh, we'll take a look at lineage. Great. Uh, okay. Which is also in the package. Um, does somebody want to read this one? Jason hasn't read yet. Okay. All right. Um, lineage. And it comes with an epigraph, um, a quote from Philip Larkin, man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Philip Larkin. Lineage. It began with horseradish in her mashed potatoes, her father slipping it in before dinner. It began much earlier, I suppose, but this is my mother we're talking about, younger and thinner and unaware that fathers can be cruel. She dove in without sniffing, and since that day, something within her grew guarded and deep. They met in high school, my father and she, I mean. She let him kiss her breasts only through her shirt, so he imagined each one a jewel. Think of the letdown when he saw them undressed, not cut as he'd expected them to be, not flawless, as the ones he had caressed under her blouse. He learned to live with them, though. He learned how not to ask for very much, to ignore her responsibly. Her body arched in dark under his touch. They fumbled dutifully until it hurt. My brother soon was born, a crutch to hold my mother up, but he wouldn't wear a skirt she cried until her shoes were damp. And my father taught him how to play in the dirt. Let's try again, she begged. Words pressing like a stamp on my brother's soft head. And I, too, was pushed into this world like a rudderless tramp. I'll never know for sure if this is true. Great reading. Thanks. And also, ow. Yeah. <laughs> ow. <laughs> That's a doozy. It's, it's again, that, that Rilkean right turn. You must change yeah. your life. Um, I'll never know for sure if this is true. true. Right? It's right that there. Kind of, yeah. That, that massive revision in the fight. What, didn't we used to call that the Dipsy Doodle? <laughs> the Dipsy Doodle. I've been so Did long. Wasn't yeah. that our wasn't that our like uh, term for that? Yeah. You Back know, in the day. I I really don't like what I call a bump bump ending. You know, and mm -hmm. this isn't that at all. This for me, rather than makes me feel like, oh, 
you know, like, like you've tricked me in a, in a negative way. I, it makes it even more poignant. Because as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, how does he know this stuff about uh, how, you know, how mom and dad um, made out? You know, what, 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 yeah. what, how does he know about that? And which one of them would tell him the story? And what, you know, I'm already, I am questioning what's real and what's not, right? And my brother was born, but he wouldn't wear a skirt. What a verb choice. He wouldn't. Like, he refused to, you know? Well, I, I, you know, I, I read that initially as he refused to. Like, she wanted to dress up um, the son as a girl. But I right. think it's also just, like, she wanted a girl. She wanted someone to wear skirts, and he wouldn't be wearing skirts. Like, not that, not that the boy refused, but that the mother didn't have the opportunity. Right. Well, by, by let's try again, that's very clear. Yeah. Right? When I first read it, I was a little, like, you know, why would, you know, I don't know, but. But yeah, I do, I wanted I, the poem just, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I do love that moment. It, the way that sort of like the reading, that the word choice trips you up. It sort of points you in two directions before it lands into the sort of clarity about her wanting to try again. She wants a girl, right? So that the he wouldn't wear a skirt gives you a kind of like resistance or refusal that's already like threaded in you know, to the top of this piece, this kind of like um, refusal or disappointment, like a kind of chronic disappointment in the house. Yeah, yeah. right. Right? No, life um, isn't fair, right? Dad slips right. horseradish in the mashed potatoes, <laughs> right? And then, you know, they this marriage looks a little bit like settling, a little bit, right? And then she has boy children. Right. So thanks to yeah. you know, can we just go back to the horseradish and the mashed potatoes, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, so it looks like mashed potatoes and it'll, it'll punch you right in the back of your head through your mouth. <laughs> right? It's, it's, like, it's like putting wasabi okay. in your mashed potatoes. If you, if you had white wasabi. Okay. Mashed potatoes right. might be delicious if you knew it was there. If you're okay. ready for it. If you're right. ready for it, right? If you knew it was there, it might actually be good. Right, but, but it's sort of like taking a spoonful of wasabi and thinking it's avocado. That's like big. Uh, okay, not meeting yeah. your expectations at all. Right. And, and painfully so, yeah. Like, <laughs> not just it doesn't taste bad, but it's actually burning your mouth now and your nose you know, is running and eyes are watering. How much horseradish he put in the yeah. mouth. He didn't give her just horseradish. Come on. But, uh, for me, I, I, I really wanted the, the poem she to start with her dad. Right. I mean, it, the, I mean, the, the story about the horseradish is a great story, but it didn't, it didn't feel to me like it actually kind of connected to the rest of the poem. That if what's at stake in the poem is kind of the mother's disappointment in both the marriage and her children, which are kind of the same unit. Um, I don't know, the, the father, like that, that story seems like a great story, but it didn't feel like it really belonged here. Like I really wanted the poem to kind of start um, later. Even though just, they met in high school, my father and she, I mean, she right. let him kiss her breasts only through her shirt. Right. I mean, that, that feels to me. And the line feels like it gets away. Like the, the line I think is too long and it doesn't shape the cadence of speaking. Which one? Right? Which line? Throughout. She dove in without sniffing. And since that day, something within her grew guarded and deep. They met in high school, my father and she, I mean, she let him kiss her breasts only through her shirt, so he imagined each one a jewel. Like I just, I just felt like there was um, 
the 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 phrasing of the poem is much shorter than the line that the line kind of each line you could almost split into like two or three sections mm -hmm. um so i i felt like there was like a way in which i kept kind of charging past the end of the line which is which is one way to which is one way to structure a line but um i don't know i i felt like i wanted like a little bit more guidance from the mm -hmm. line in terms of how to say the phrases and i felt like the, the lines were sort of like a little too long to really guide me i kind of what do you think about the uh the they and them clarifying the they with the i mean it's it's very larkinish right i mean it's sort of a very kind of larkin gesture um jason can you clarify what that means for our slushies Oh, yeah, that, that Larkin, you know, will often have um, these kinds of very speech-like clarifications. Like, I mean, typically one of our distinctions between speech and writing is that in speech, things are ambiguous, and then we clarify them because we have lots and lots of time and room. And then in writing, we're trying to make sure that there's only one way in which to read any particular sentence or phrase or clause. Uh, mm -hmm. And we work really hard to kind of like go back over it to kind of scrub out other possibilities so that the reader can kind of go through it once in one particular way. And so one way to kind of recreate that feeling of speech is to have um, those kind of speech particles. I mean, you know, I'm talking about. Um, and so Larkin does that in his work um, where it's sort of like this kind of reminder. It, it makes it feel chatty, right? Even though you know that it's a very carefully constructed poem that he's been working on, you know, very, very carefully constructing. And so I, I kind of like that. Um, they met in high school, my father and she, I mean. Right. I do too. That's why I was asking to see if I was the only one. I think it, it works with the whole thing and that this whole thing is I'm just telling you this. I don't even know if it's true. Right? I, I, I liked it. I like that move in the center there. And I do like the horseradish story. Sorry, Jason. Okay. Well, how does it, how does the horseradish story connect to the, the so rest I think, of it? I think the answer is in the I mean, right? Because uh -huh. the, it's so compressed, right? The, as the reader, I'm rushing ahead. They met in high school. I'm thinking father and daughter, how's that work? Right. And then the clarification is husband and wife, I mean, right. And so it's that sort of juxtaposition, like the juxtaposition, the hard abutting of father, daughter, then mother, father, right? Um, that, and it's, it, for me, it's, it rides on the line, right? This is my mother we're talking about, and she grew guarded and deep, right? And it's, so it's that, it's, right? It's like three generations of failing her, that like her father is terrible, and then her husband is terrible, and then her sons, I mean, it, I should, it terrible overstates it, but. That these, that these are ways in which these three generations of men have not been the right men. So, and that goes exactly to the epigraph. Man hands on misery to man, it deepens yeah. like a coastal shelf, and then deep is the mother's deep. She grows right. guarded and deep, right? So it's sort of like that, so to me, that's why the horseradish sits there, because it's like, you know, a sort of... Um, benevolent abuse it's like you know she it's only it's the it's a soft rug that's tugged out from under her so she doesn't fall hard but she's you know she's destabilized for sure well, she's, you know? it's just life not being what you expect very yeah. often you know she's tucking into the mashed potatoes and there's horseradish in there right picturing this bucolic life like the other poem right, yeah, I'm, gonna right. Have, I'm gonna have a boy and a girl and you know and the white picket fence and that doesn't happen either right yeah. 
I think it's just life disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or not working out as one expects. I'm really intrigued still by the horseradish in terms of like, is it, is it like cruel or is it like her father was more of a prankster? Right. Um, right. If, and, it, and then what's I think interesting about that is her feelings about it could have changed over time. So that like when she's disappointed by the second guy, then it moves from being maybe something that was a joke to something that was cruel. Um, so there's like a lot I think going on here uh, with memory as well. Yeah. And it's so funny too, Samantha, like that's such a great description about like, is it cruelty or being a prankster or here's a possibility, a recipe, right? And the child hasn't acquired the taste yet, right? Like that's, that, you know what I mean? But it, there, there's so, it's so ambiguous that I love that, that the, the point that you're making, it's like the eye then might've been appalled by horseradish. The eye now might be appalled for thinking it's on purpose, right? Or the eye now is like, oh yeah, that wasn't even meant for me. It was just my dad's recipe, right? For mashed potatoes. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things like that, right? Like I think about like, I mean, my parents like constantly smoked around me. Like I think of those kind of things and I'm like, yeah, that's so cruel, you know? And like, that was what people did. Right. So. In the car, no less, in the, in the car. car. Yeah. Oh. I thought you were much too young to remember parents smoking around their children. You're only 22. <laughs> I was like, wait, are you old enough to remember smoking sections in restaurants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. definitely. All right. yeah. okay. <laughs> I'm readjusting my understanding. And we always sat in them. <laughs> oh. Oh. Yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> to remember smoking in the grocery store that freaks my kids oh. i mean when i was very little very little but i do remember yeah. there were ashtrays those kinds that have sand on the bottom at the end of aisles and grown-ups would smoke as yeah. they you, know, you smoked on airplanes and right. they are still made with little like cigarette in the in the arm yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen an, an arm rest. i i i don't think i've seen an, an ashtray in the armrest for like yeah. 15 years. Oh, sure. But I, I remember, I remember them very well. The first places it went away, you know, yeah. early, early 70s or something. I don't even know. But I do remember being at the grocery with my parents Ugh. and every, you know, many people smoking. Yeah. Anyway. But that um, takes us back to yeah, that. Takes us back. Like, the, I'm sorry, like the images in this poem are so potent, like rich and ambivalent, right? They're, and And the way they're being read on behalf of his mother. And then I, that final line is, I'll never know for sure if this is true, right? It's, it's its own kind of rug pulling, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of cool. Well, I, th I think that's what's really sort of gorgeous about the poem is that these aren't necessarily terrible things. Right. They're just the wrong things for her. And that's the tragedy. And, and we don't know if the father really the the middle guy really felt that way about her breasts either like it's yeah. just it's such a weird thing um it is such a weird thing how, how he learned to live with them that but see that connotates or that the relationship is a settling right, right. they both just get married because that's what you do kind of thing yeah. right he accepts her breasts that aren't jewels 
and that they weighed it, right? Like that they weighed it to find out if they were sexually compatible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, they fumbled dutifully until it hurt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, and I, I like, I really love the last, next to the last stanza in this one as well, with, um, with that, that let's try again, she begged words pressing like a stamp on my brother's soft head. Like the brother grew up knowing he was a disappointment and not being a girl right from the mother immediately you know words pressing like a stamp on my brother's soft head and imprinting there right oh okay your focus on that on those lines and jason's earlier combination comments about the lineation is now making me see what jeff is doing with rhymes right uh-huh right potatoes suppose dinner thinner or thinner with her Cruel school, jewel, breasts, undressed, crest, right? The interlinked stanzas here, I didn't actually catch that the first time through yeah. because it's so conversational, right? Yeah. But it's actually really carefully like tonal, right? The way he's working with a, a rhyme scheme. I just didn't see it. Yeah. Well, that's what I always try to talk to about with, with students, like if rhyme can yeah. be that subtle, so that artful, you know? Yeah. Uh, and the speaker's on bars there at the end, like to build up to that's what you came into, a rudderless, as a rudderless tramp, right? Rudderless, what a great word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll never, Should we... what? Should we vote? Should we vote? I think we're ready, I think we're ready. And this, okay. yeah. All right. All right. One, two, three, vote. And again, it's unanimous. Thank you, Jeff. Right. Excellent. Yeah. So good. So good. Both of them. Yes. All right. Thrilled to have these poems in the in the upcoming issue of PDQ for sure. Thank you so much, Jeff Royce. And thank you for being patient too, because we were um, you know, uh hanging on to these. They were bouncing around our slush pile for a minute. So I'm glad that our, our editors scooped them up and found them and, and brought them to this conversation. And this so, is part of why, let's, let's reveal this too. I mean, this is part of why we often take so long, right? Because the Abu Dhabi team already visited these for a minute. And then they were like, oh, this might be good fodder for the podcast. So we've, we have been engaging with these poems for quite a while before it got to this point and now the decision is made and we're so happy uh that we get to publish yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right team awesome well this has been a lovely conversation about jeff royce's poem um kathy always asks is there anything else to report anything else going on in our our lives anything we're reading or or watching or want to report about? I just finished um, Andrea Lawler's Paul Takes the Shape of a Mortal Girl. Oh, oh. my God. So good. I, I, I highly recommend this. I highly recommend this novel. It's Paul Takes the Shape of a Mortal Girl? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Paul Takes the Form of a Mortal Girl. 
politics in the form of immortal girl it's fantastic and if you live through 19 it's just you you will you will resonate against it at exactly the right vibration and frequency perfect perfect i just heard about this a couple weeks ago and read a little piece of it and was flabbergasted it's amazing and i I was like and it's like like about 10 pages in you're like how can this be sustained for like how can this be a whole like won't i get no no yes yes this is going to be wonderful like like once you're in it's like a it's a water slide it's it's fantastic excellent 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 i'm I'm gonna watch um this is this is funny i think i'm going to watch uh hamilton with my daughters tonight oh nice It's three hours, but we're hoping that when it's over that we start the new series, um, I Will Destroy You. <gasps> it's so good. Yes, I've heard. And, you know, I loved her in uh, Chewing Gum, mm-hmm. you know, and this is apparently her vehicle as well. Like, she did it all. She's the star and writes it and directs it and the whole nine yards. So they're saying it's like uh, a little bit darker of a flea bag. And I loved flea bag. So, yeah. Yeah, did you watch it all, Jason? No, it's it's not all out. Um, all. You get a new episode every Monday at nine. Um, which, so I'm I'm waiting. Oh, which platform is it on? It's on HBO. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, all right. Well, oh, that'll be that'll be weird. It's it's, it's hard because you want to binge and you can't. You can't um, yet. I mean, if you wait another like five weeks, you can binge. Yeah, um, but we're gonna because yeah, we're gonna be together and we all want to watch it. It's fantastic. I, it has things in it I have never seen on television. It has things in it that I have literally never, I, I would have thought were unpresentable on television and <laughs> is beautifully done. Right. Excellent. Um, I was listening to, as, as all I do is listen to podcasts, I was listening to um, It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love him very much, and he was all about it. As was the, you know, the people he had Audie Cornish on, and um, they were all just singing its praises so hard. And that's what makes me want to sing it. Not that I didn't already love that actress. So yeah, put that all in the notes, Mayor. I got it. I'm taking notes. Oh, all right, so oh. everything from Hamilton to It's Been a Minute, from um, Paul takes the form of a mortal girl to our undying gratitude to Jeff Royce for submitting his Thank you. All right, wonderful. Lovely to see your faces and thank you slushies for tuning in. Um, I hope you're writing your asses off whatever time zone you're in. (laughs) Congrats again, Sam. Yes. Thank you. All right, all right. Bye, uh, slushies. Let us know how we're doing. Keep on reading. Woohoo! Bye, guys.